I wrote this sermon in 25 minutes the other day. It normally takes me four hours to write a sermon. I was like, thank you, God. Why didn't you do that every other week? Because I was so full. Hear me. See, when you're full, you're not afraid to share. I love my wife. But when we sit down to eat, she can't have none of my food. Some of y'all know that's why y'all thought that was funny. I'll just have some of what he said. No, you won't, girl. I'll buy you anything on this menu. You ain't getting none of what I got. And if you put your fork over here, I'm going to bite your finger in front of all these people. But when I'm full and somebody says, hey, can I have that? Yeah, go ahead. I needed to stop 20 minutes ago. I'm just still eating because we got too large of portions here in America, and that's why we're all so big. (laughs) When you're full... Y'all are welcome. I just, 17 people. What did he just say? (laughs) When you're full, you're not afraid to share. I'm going to say something for everybody in here. It's just a matter of which one God makes stick. This is like creative meeting. We just start saying stuff and something sticks and all of a sudden God does something with it. But Paul said, I didn't come with wisdom to share in words but in power and demonstrations of the Holy Spirit. And Peter Reeves prophesied that over you last week. He didn't prophesy that over first service. Come on, y'all that like to sleep past 8 o'clock and then get mad because there's no parking spot at 925. Who am I talking? Don't wave. Don't wave. (laughs) Don't do it. Y'all are so gracious. I love this church, and I love this city. And I prophesied over somebody in first service today. I thought we were recording. I just did it anyways. I didn't even realize God turned the live stream off earlier. Actually, somebody else did it unintentionally, but I'm not going to call their name. All right, Genesis chapter 50. See, this is why I preach with notes. Can you believe that guy got up there and preached without any? Oh, I'll do it too. But there just ain't no telling how long we're going to be there. Jesus preached without any notes. He filled up six chapters and stayed there for three days. All right, Genesis 50, verse 15. Y'all having fun this morning? Bump your neighbor and say, listen, he's going to say something for you. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, I wrote this sermon in 25 minutes, and we've had this scripture for the last three months because God knew. God knew what this city and this community and the people in this room were going to need, and I'm good at one thing. And that's doing what God tells me to do. If you get mad at me for something that I do, then you come talk to me and I'll tell you whether it was Chris or Christ. And if it was Chris, I'll apologize. But if it was him, that's between y'all. Look at the screen. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, perhaps Joseph will hate us. Joseph was the youngest of all the sons at that time. I don't want to assume that you got to go to VBS as a kid like me. Joseph will hate us. They threw Joseph in a pit, and they told their daddy that he was dead because he had a dream, and he went and shared it and bragged about it with other people. Don't ever outdream your character. I don't have time to preach that sermon today. It's just something that's in that story. You let God qualify you. Stop trying to connect yourself. Answer the call. Do what God told you to do, and he'll put you where he wants you. Joseph learned a 30-year-old lesson, 
But thank God he gave him a dream. This is second service only. Some of you had a dream, and I'm here to stir it back up again today. Some of you had a dream that you thought was dead, and the only thing that got you through some of the seasons of the stuff that you had to go through was the dream that God gave you 30 years ago. I'm calling the dream back to life this morning. I'm telling you, this is my seventh year. I don't know what 2023 means on the Jewish calendar, but I know what seven means to Chris. This is a year of fulfillment for this church, and when we get through the year of fulfillment, we're going to go into Chris's eighth year. See, the eighth day is the last day of the old week, but the first day of the new week. And when you walk through the fulfillment of what God has for you in seven, then you begin to walk in the newness of what you've been preparing for. Joseph had a dream. And then God handed that dream off to other people. And that's why we sit amongst people that we used to fight with whenever we come together in the name of Jesus. Joseph had a dream. And his brothers threw him in a pit. And he's on the other side of that dream because he never gave up on it, and you don't get to either. And his brothers don't understand that it wasn't just by chance that he ended up in that pulpit. I mean, palace. His brothers didn't understand that that whole process was God getting ready to give him a platform that nobody else would have wanted him to have. God put a Jewish boy second in command of Egypt. Jews don't get control of countries unless God's involved. Perhaps he will. I can't do this all the way through. We're not going to get out of here till one. Perhaps he will hate us and may actually repay us for all the evil which we did to him. Verse 16. So they sent messengers to Joseph saying, before your father died, he commanded. Have you ever lied to somebody about what you thought God may have said? In order to get you out of something that you got yourself in? Isn't it funny how when somebody needs forgiveness, they start telling you everybody that y'all know? How people come up to, I believe in God. Cuss like a sailor, but believe in Jesus. No, the same don't come out of the same stream. It's either fresh or bitter, baby, and you can't have both at the same time. <laughs> These boys could, I believe, you remember, we believe in God. I ain't talked to you in 30 years. Why are we friends all of a sudden? Because that's what people do. You know why they do that? Don't get mad about it. Watch this. Hey, if you listen to the last part, don't make me yell to get your attention. Wake them up. I'm I will come out there. I'm not being recorded. <laughs> I had a wife in first service lean over to her husband and say, you better wake up or he'll do it. <laughs> What's I talking about? <laughs> if somebody came up to you and started naming everybody that they knew, especially if they come up and they start talking about God, it's because they see something inside of you that you need. It's because they see something inside of you that they need. If we're recording, there he is, I see you. My man walked here in the rain this morning to run a camera. My God, that somebody would serve Jesus like Dakota sits in front of whatever, whenever, however we need him to. I'm telling you, if God would multiply him 500 times, we'd win the world. I love it when the live stream's off. 
They see something inside of you that they need. That's why they come to you and start talking about God. You shouldn't get offended when people come up to you and start talking about God. You should say, thank God they think they can talk to me about him. As if God put his approval right here on your forehead and said, come on. I'm going to have three fingers like Wilson off of this. <laughs> Jump with me to verse 18 so I don't preach every verse. His brothers went and fell down before his face. And they said, behold, we are your servants. Verse 19. And Joseph said to them, English Standard Version, I believe, is what I'm reading from today. Do not be afraid. I'm not God. I just set somebody free in this place. Because you've been carrying something you wanted God to get vengeance for you, but you're not him, and you can't do it until you start doing what God tells you to do. And then when they come to you, he will help you to deal with them because of what you've been letting him do in your life. Joseph said, do not be afraid. In other words, he said, I, I don't have anything against you. I'm not God. And you may have heard this before. We get down to Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. And God says, through Joseph, but as for you, you meant evil against me. I, I, we had this scripture for two months. You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Highlight that. The sermon title today is just very simply something that we like to quote, but we have a hard time living. God meant it for good. In order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. What the enemy meant for evil. Now, he didn't say the enemy. He said you. How many of you got a you in your life? God needs to turn something around. That's why we sang it this morning, I think, unless she didn't even know what my message was and God led her to pick the song anyway. I think God's trying to say something today. God meant it for good. Look, I got to number one. Y'all ready? Write this down. How was Joseph able to forgive this demonic atrocity of which the enemy used his brothers to throw him in a pit? And if it weren't for the first son, they would have killed him. But because of Reuben, how many of you are thankful for the first son of many sons? His name is Jesus. And the only reason that we're not dead right now is because God gave his only begotten son to deliver us out of slavery instead of allowing us to stay in it. But I don't have time to preach that sermon today. Y'all all right? How was is is Joseph able to forgive these atrocities? Yeah, but Chris, you don't, know what, you don't know what happened to me. You're right, I don't. I don't know what happened to you. I look around this room, and I'm trying not to make eye contact because I know stories that you don't know. And I can't count for you how many people have been through hell and back. 
that my wife and I and our staff and our leaders and our prayer team have ministered to and ministered with. And we sat there like John the Apostle when Jesus sent him out to heal the sick or maybe crippled James when we're supposed to pray for somebody to be healed and we're hurting on the inside. And God said, yeah, I know, but I want to use your weakness to reveal my strength. And I want to use the fact that you're willing to walk with me to reveal the godliness that I have for somebody else. How was Joseph able to forgive his older brothers that threw him in a pit? and sold him into slavery as if he was dead. Kelsey, you thought I was a bad big brother. <laughs> I don't have time. Y'all come up to me after service. I'll tell you what I was going to say funny that Kelsey got mad at last week for me. It was my fault. It's just 25 years ago. I'm like, girl, let it go. <laughs> She's smiling just in case you're wondering. How? How could he do it? The point's been on the screen for the last five minutes. That's how. There's only one way that Joseph could have forgiven that whole thing. The people that were supposed to love him and protect him put him through hell. And it was their fault. All he was was a dumb 15-year-old. I'm sorry. He was a dumb child that didn't know any better, sharing about a dream that he had, and his daddy and his brothers all got mad at him. Because he went to the people that he thought he could trust to share something that God had stirred in his heart. See, we got mad at Joseph, but we didn't see the other side. He just went to the people that he knew to tell him about what he thought God wanted him to do. I'm going to receive an offering in a minute. Not really like pass a bucket. But before I do that, I want people to know what happens whenever you give at this church and you take evil and you turn it to good? Watch this video and I'll come finish this message. An estimated 300,000 people in Texas are victims of human trafficking. While Houston is number one among all U.S. cities, Texas as a whole ranks number two among all 50 states. Many victims are first trafficked when they are still a teenager. There are an estimated 80,000 youth victims of sex trafficking in Texas. Home of Hope was established in 2008 as an organization dedicated to help fight adolescent human trafficking in the U.S. Since its inception, the organization has been actively involved in raising public awareness and acquiring adequate facilities to provide long-term aftercare. The mission here at Home of Hope is to fight for justice for children, minors that are now survivors of human trafficking, a place where they can find tranquility in their path in life because every child is worthy. And so when we have behaviors to deal with or yucky days or hard days, we have to look at that child and remember they're worthy. And I love the word worthy, not just like they deserve it or they, but that worthy word is, and that's when, you know, you look that up, it's like they are, they get the acknowledgement and the merit of whatever they need in this in a specified way. And the girls attend school on campus. They do um, their classes in a classroom here. They have therapy every week, individual therapy, group therapy, um, horse therapy. 
It's one of those things when most girls come in here, they're not even thinking about college. They're hardly, right? They're not really thinking about a future. And so really our hope while we have them is to get them to think that there is hope, that there is a future, that there is something to plan for and look forward to. Um, but our focus is let's, the here and now, what do we do to let you see those wins? Like, see, you can do it. You are achieving. You can go to college if you want to, or if you want to go to cosmetology school, right? Whatever you want to do, we want to help set you up for success. The application doesn't just have their sex trafficking history. It also has the years and years of abuse, neglect, starvation, um, homelessness, um, the amount of runaways. I remember one girl we saw was 14 and had had 63 placements in two years. 63 people took them in and said no um, and sent her back, 63, um, 62 rejections. One of the things that we really work towards is that the girls know that they're cared about. No matter what their past has been, no matter what they've been through, that Home of Hope is a safe place for them to find healing and to have their, their identity restored and for us to find the gold that's inside each one of them. And so we're really thankful for people who partner with us and who believe in our mission and vision and can come alongside and support us. And we're really you know, grateful to be being able to fill a need that we see not only in Houston, but around the world, really. We have referrals that come from out of state um, and we're just thankful to be in this place. It's a need for minors to have a place to go and we're thankful for people who have gotten us to this place to be able to provide that support that these girls need. It is cool that you don't even have to go there to support that ministry. Ladies, uh, we're going to load up a caravan full of whoever signs up from here and y'all are going to go to Shine Conference is it Community Transformation Church now? It's CT Church in Houston, Almeida Genoa Drive. It's been a, a parent church for us, even though we have a different name. Y'all are gonna go to that conference. My wife went to this conference two years ago, and she heard from Amber Sharp, who is the executive director. Her husband's name is Jake. Uh, some of you help pay her salary if you give here, um, if you tithe here. If you understand that the first of every $10 belongs to God, and I'm not preaching that today, I'm just, we're gonna get that more this year because we're in the seventh year and we can't move into the new day until some of us start doing what God's already been saying for the last seven, I ain't got time to preach that. But today, look, I want you to put this, we're not receiving an offering right now, it's not the end of service. We're gonna do it just like we always do, which is just cast a vision and let you know what you're being a part of. There's several ways you can give at this church, cash, check, online, text to give. You can give through the app because God has removed all excuses of why people that say they believe in him aren't sowing into his kingdom. Megan came home and said, Chris, uh, we support Home of Hope. And I said, what is that? I didn't know what it was. I'd never heard of Home of Hope. He said, well, it's something that Amber Sharp started that uh, we're gonna help support that on a monthly basis. I said, who is Amber Sharp? She was talking to me like I had been at the conference for the past three days. You ever try to talk to somebody didn't come to service because it was raining? <laughs> I'm not talking about the, the homebound that can't get out of bed and the only way that they get to watch is if we record it because you pay for us to be able to stream it into their bedroom. That's not what I'm talking about. 
I'm talking about people who just got lazy because it was wet and cold. Like you don't live in South Louisiana. You've been living with this stuff longer than I have. It don't matter what it is. If I just don't show up one day and Zoom meeting y'all in. Anyways, several ways you can give here. I love y'all. Y'all are awesome. Megan said, we're, going, we're giving $50 a month to Home of Hope. At the time, I was the only one working. Pastor in a church, we were giving more away than... I really saw come, and she and she gets mad at me when I do that stuff. If I'd have come home and said, "Hey, I just committed us to an extra fifty dollars a month," she'd have said, "Are we shutting off Wi-Fi? You gonna stop buying energy drinks? You know, you spent eighty dollars last month on energy drinks. There's starving kids in Africa, and you can't go a day without a Red Bull." That's, I'm just, I love you. She's laughing. I said, "What is Home of Hope?" She told me the whole thing. She told me who Amber was, and I can't share all of Amber's story because I don't have time. I'm just telling you, there, she went through some stuff, and now God's using her for somebody else. Do you see that table up in that room? I bought that. Like, really? Yeah, I'm telling you right now. I bought that table. My $50 bought that table. See, some of you aren't giving because you don't think it's going to make a difference. You think, well, all I got, all I make is $100 a week. Am I going to give 10? What's he going to do with that? Buy a teddy bear for a girl that was sex trafficked into a room, and she's holding the bear because you gave your $10. I know a story, and I ain't got time to tell it today, but we have an elder in this church. Well, that really narrowed it down because there's only two of them. He gave, his, he gave his last $20 in his wallet. He didn't know how to give. He didn't grow up in a church like this. He didn't know how to give. He had his last $20 in his wallet. He put it in the offering plate. 20 years later, he's the top giver in this church because God built a business through him. You got to do what God tells you to do with your dollar. Your 10, your million, I don't know what it is. I just know that there's a little girl or a preacher that needs gas in his tank or a pastor's kid that's looking for something underneath the tree or somebody somewhere who is dependent upon whether you are obedient or not. Because we're the light of the world. Number one, our hope is not in what we have. Come on, somebody. Because number two, it is our responsibility to show the world that sin doesn't make sense. Y'all yeah. didn't know where I was going with all that giving stuff. It's right there. God set this whole thing up. Didn't realize it until I was preaching it in first service. Sin doesn't make sense. I just saved somebody 15 years of trying to figure something out. Y'all lean in. Sin doesn't make sense. Stop trying to make sense of what happened. It was sin. It doesn't make sense. Stop trying to make sense of what somebody did. It was sin. They don't understand yet. Stop trying to make sense of what you did. It was sin. You didn't comprehend. If you knew better, you wouldn't have done it. Sin doesn't make sense. You will, you will stress yourself out of the faith trying to make sense of living in a fallen world around fallen people 
with sickness and disease and poverty and designations that you didn't ever want to hear. Sin doesn't make sense. It hurts, it breaks, it kills, it destroys. That's why I'm telling you, the only thing I've done right since February of 2006 is begin to try to do what God tells me to do because everything else falls short of his glory, and that is sin. Sin never makes sense, but God can bring salvation out of it. You meant it for evil, said Joseph. Hey, by the way, I want you to notice that when his brothers came to him, Joseph did not offer forgiveness. He offered grace. I'm helping somebody. I will come to you if you start following us. I'm telling you, it's the third warning. I don't warn more than three times. Ask my kids. Because it's one thing to forgive somebody when they ask for it, and some of y'all hadn't even done that. My God. It's another thing to forgive when they didn't ask. And you don't call them and tell them, hey, I just wanted you to know. I forgive you. That heaven, you've forgiven me. I will slap the spirit out of you right now. Break their teeth in their mouth, oh God. That's in the Bible. Watch out. People might be praying that for you. No, no, no. You forgave them like Jesus did on the cross when he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And then the Bible says, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. Faith in what? The forgiveness that has already been offered. By the time they get to you, they don't get forgiveness. They get grace because you've been walking in his forgiveness for a long time now. Because sin doesn't make sense, but we serve a God who brings salvation out of sin. God put me through this so that by the end of this process, I would have a platform to save other people. I want to tell you a bed bug story, but I don't have time. I'll save it for another message. Just know that at the time, this 30-year-old preacher was really overwhelmed about the $1,500 I had to spend to try to get rid of bed bugs that I got on a vacation that was supposed to be free. I said, God, I could have paid for the vacation. Taking my stay-at-home wife with three babies in diapers, spitting up, pitching fits, having spasmodic outbursts in the middle of the night. Chris, come get your daughter. Oh, she's mine now. Praise God. All I, all, here's all I can tell you. Just like Joseph, we went through what we went through, scared to death because we got to the other side of it and God used us to save 30 people from having to go through what we went through. I came to preach to somebody today. You thought that the devil was dragging you through something, but God allowed you to go through that because he's about to get sweet revenge on Lucifer and a thousand fallen angels because of what you went through. God's going to use you to save somebody else. I'm almost done. Point number three, I swear it's my last one. I don't have four today. Read it. 
You read it. I'm not preaching it. See, somebody read it out loud. You just prophesied it over your life. The rest of you read it like you read the Bible. That's why you're not getting nothing out of it. See, I told you I wasn't angry last week. You just weren't here. You helped pay for him to go preach to 100 teenagers in North Texas because you don't know what God does with what you do. And that's why he was out. The works of the devil have already been destroyed. The devil is not in control of your life. COVID-19 didn't kill anybody. Oh, I done stepped in something today. I'm telling you, the doctor cannot pronounce how many days you have left. I came to tell somebody that it doesn't matter what you're in, what's in your bank account as long as God is in control of what's inside of it. It doesn't matter what you've done in the past because the works of the devil have already been destroyed off of your life. You didn't do nothing but wake up this morning and walk into the anointing. But because you came, the devil is not going to be able to deal with you for the rest of 2023. I came to prophesy this morning. I don't know if it's apostolic, prophetic, evangelistic, pastoral, or teaching. I just know somebody needs something today. If I tried to do this every week, some people go to church somewhere else. That dude preached for an hour and a half this morning. Because we're more offended than we are willing to invite somebody to come back to us as if God didn't speak to you and he can't speak to them. I've got to get this off my boot because somebody left something up here and I got it on my shoe. Our hope is not in this world. I quit worrying about what I was wearing and what I drove and what I had and what was in my closet physically or what God had to deal with in my closet spiritually because I didn't know who he created me to be. Are y'all okay today? First John 3, 8, I have preached this before. And people preached it at me. Oh, girl, I hear that organ. Yeah, yeah. So we used to have church because nobody was in a hurry. But now we don't have room. We got too many people coming here. Praise God. How'd you do what's happening? What's going on in Eunice? I don't know. I want you to come preach a session on what God's doing in Eunice because I need you to help my pastors. All right, y'all write this down. Do what God tells you to do. Class dismissed. I don't know. But the works of the devil. See, I've heard it preached before that because you keep on sinning, put it up there, 1 John 3, 8, the ones that keep on sinning, you dirty, rotten, nasty, unworthy sinner, you're a son of the devil. My gosh, I'd have rather you called me a son of a female dog than the son of the... <laughs> son of the devil. I know, I'm almost done. I just saw three people look at their watch. I'm ready to go, too. I got to do this. I got to dedicate a baby in the next... Uh, get to, praise God. 
And then we're going to have water baptism. I'm going to be here till 2 o'clock. Don't you feel sorry for yourself. Sit there and listen to God till he finishes. I'll be done in a minute, and then God's got some work to do. Did y'all catch that? If you keep on sinning, you're of the devil. I didn't say it. I just read it. And I have heard sermons written based on of a part of a sentence of a verse that men numbered later. But that's not what God was trying to say. Hey, if you didn't hear nothing else, lean into this one. He said, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. Sin doesn't make sense because it didn't come from God. It came from the devil. The devil came from God, and he created a bit, a being that has a choice on whether he wants to love the Father or not. Sin came from the devil. When you're trying to make sense of sin, you're trying to understand the devil. And ain't nobody got time for that. We just went to Alabama right there. You want to try to understand how the devil was one of the three anointed cherub of the kingdom of God, and yet he wanted to take the glory and spend it upon himself? When he knew what would happen if he did it? You ever talked to a kid before? You knew what was going to happen. You did it anyway. Maybe just my mama said that my whole life. That's what the devil did. It don't make no sense. You can't understand that. Hang on, watch, 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 watch. Some of y'all cheated. You read the end of it already. The reason, somebody say the reason. The reason the Son of God came is because he knew that you couldn't handle the sin. You couldn't handle your sin. You couldn't handle somebody else's sin. You were going to stay stuck if it weren't for the Son of God leaving the throne room and coming down here and doing what you could have never done on your own. Hi, I'm Chris. How'd this happen? God sent his only begotten son. Don't you quote it so many times that you lose its power. Because some people have never heard it before, and they're waiting on you to give, go, or pray. God, the reason that he came, he appeared because he wanted to destroy the works of Lucifer. It's why he came. Let me tell you, I'm not even going to read the last verse. Go look at your notes online. The scripture's there. Go read it and let it speak for itself. The reason that he came was because he knew that you couldn't handle what you were going to have to go through while you were here on earth because you weren't created for this world. You were created for, by, and the glory from the very beginning. And the devil hated you because of it, so he's done everything that he could do until he sent some 38 and a half year old preacher to come in and remind about 500 people in the last two hours minus the ones that wanted to sleep in and I don't know we'll pray for them and get them later but God wants you to know that what you couldn't handle he already has he's not about to you don't serve I'm an about to God you serve a God that already dealt with And people that are following him, then you would have already done it. But because you can't, God 
tells you that he's not just destroying the works of the devil. He came 2,000 years ago to make sure that you knew that Jesus Christ was put in the tomb. And he sent down an angel on the third day. And the angel touched the stone. And the stone started rolling away. And the two men standing in front of that tomb that thought they were guarding the body. You better get out of the way of the Son of God when he gets ready to come out of the grave. The devil, the devil couldn't handle him. The devil couldn't lock him up behind a giant rock even if he put the American government in front of it. And listen to me. If the devil couldn't handle Jesus, then never can the hell that you put yourself to. You got to get this. The hell that somebody else put you through. Hell couldn't handle him 2,000 years ago and hell can't handle him today. I came to tell you that our hope is not in this world. Sin doesn't make sense, but we serve a God who can turn it around. He takes what you and the enemy from the very beginning meant for evil and he turns it to good. He works. Oh, I'm going to quote 10 scripture, then I'm going to pray. No, I'm not. He works all Listen, listen, I'm not yelling anymore because I got people doing this. I'm not in control of the sound. I'm just talking. We have sound people. It's important for you. If you ever get mad at me, it's not me. I don't have, I'm not adjusting it. And some of you have been saying, why did that happen to me? I don't know. I don't know. I look around. I stink and love you. I didn't know I could love as many people as much as God has put in the heart of that woman. I didn't know I could love people like her. I thought I was just good at telling people stuff. And then God made me a pastor because I didn't want to be. You're welcome. That's how much God loves you. And some of you thought that something happened for a reason because that's what some idiot that doesn't know the Bible tried to say to you. Can I go deeper today? You can't do nothing to earn the grace that's been given to you. This might be recorded. Most people won't listen to it long enough to hear this anyways. I'm going to go there. I've been here seven years. You're stuck with me. You can't say enough Hail Marys to get what God has for you. You can't buy enough trinkets. You can't pray enough prayers. There's one prayer that you need God to hear. It's God, remind me of the reason that you sent your only begotten son to destroy the works of the devil. I don't want to be like him anymore. Make me like Jesus. All right, because things don't happen for a reason, but you serve a God who brings reason to the hell and the sin that happened to you. I don't know who I'm prophesying to today, but that's what God wanted to say.